I've been browsed. Treading water that they drown. I head on a swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Hello and welcome to episode 97 of the Smash Accept Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore DadFF. Joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Mung and Adam. And guys, we have a great show for you tonight. You know, there's so much that happened today. Obviously, Trey Lance, you know, it's officially Trey Lance season. He gets named there. Debo shows up to camp. You know, we get all these all these different information. To me, the 101 of news today was was basically Aaron Rodgers showing up to Kate as Nicolas Cage, you know, from Con Air. Just awesome time of the year. You know, most teams are reporting to camp in the next day or two. And I'm just super excited to talk about Superflex. We're going to talk about quarterbacks. We're really going to hit the position hard, talk about the philosophy tonight because we have some great guests on. Before we get to them, I definitely want to, and Mung, I'm going to transition it to you, but we got to talk about our sponsor, DraftKits.co, that's .co. If you guys go there on their website, put code SMASH, you get 10% off. They have the best draft boards. I got the Trey Lance sticker up there, one-inch stickers, some of the biggest ones in the game. Again, they are the unofficial sponsor of Scott Fishbowl this year. Their draft boards are taking off. You guys got to get these really to just tie your whole room together. Mung, it is Trey Lance season. You know, We knew it was going to happen. Today's the day. How's that making you feel? Yeah, I mean, anyone who's been paying attention the last few months should never have had that in doubt, right? It was kind of ludicrous to me that some were worried about Garoppolo starting when it was pretty clear that he was still on the roster due to the unexpected surgery. And uh, going back to Aaron Rodgers real quick, I think the best tweet I saw all day, you know, we got some Isaiah McKenzie hype, some Sky Moore hype, some Trey Lance hype, but the best tweet I saw today was uh, with the Aaron Rodgers, Con Air, Nick Cage picture with... Uh, the quote that said, you know, there's only two men I trust. One is me. The other is not you. And that's what Rogers is saying to Alan Lazard right now <laughs> in training <laughs> camp. So a little yeah. bit of the Lazard hate. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk with these guys. Uh, a lot to go over. And it, it's officially football season now that training camp hype videos are starting. There you go. Adam, Again, thanks for coming on the show. You know, super excited. You and I over the last couple of months have really, you know, formed a friendship here. And a lot of it has been talking over Superflex philosophy, you know, and, and bouncing things on there since you joined Smash 3. So I'm excited to chop it up with you here tonight. How you doing? Doing well. Thanks for uh, having me on and looking forward to hashing it out with the fellas. And uh, yeah, it's really good to talk about philosophy with Superflex positions and uh, kind of looking into the new year. I'm pumped. So a couple weeks back, we had Mike Garay from the Trading Tables podcast. Tonight, we have both hosts of the, of the podcast. Super excited. Mike, that's at Dynasty Zoltan. Welcome to the show. How you doing today? I love that Mac Jones jersey you got on. Mute. Thanks mute. for that. Uh, hey, there we go. There we go. Yeah, my bad. Uh, I had to represent the Mac Jones jersey, uh, future Super Bowl MVP, following the footsteps of Tom Brady. Heard it here first. And for the first time on the show, you know, longtime friend, you and I have, like, hit it off since day one on Twitter. You know, Dynasty Jacobian. Jacob, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thrilled to be on with you guys. And, you know, I'm repping my Josh Jacobs jersey, and I'll put it out. Like, uh, it's a little more realistic that he's RB1 overall this year than Mac Jones is a Super Bowl MVP. So, um, <laughs> 
<laughs> excited to chop it up with you guys and uh, talk about some Superflex strategy tonight. Jacob, before we go any further, you know, I, we, we already had Mike on before. Talk to me a little bit about your podcast, because I know it's, it's got some similarities to ours, but some differences as well. So, you know, right now, give a little bit of plug. You know, it's a fantastic podcast. I listen to it. I play in several leagues with both of you guys. You guys are some of the finest dynasty minds out there. But tell our listeners, you know, some of the things that you guys got going on. Yeah, so uh, Mike and I play two totally different games. Um, he's an analytical guru, he's a freak in the spreadsheets, as we'll say, but uh, I'm more of a, a film guy. I go off my gut a lot. I follow market trends and play the market a little bit, and we actually converge a lot on a lot of players. So a lot of our podcasts, we're just talking about how we go about trades, what we think of uh, the trades we've done, and also just like what's going on in football generally, you know, like what, how how the transactions in uh, the NFL are impacting market values. I love it. I mean, you know, like that's what's great is when you can bring out, like Mung and I look at things totally different, but when we break down trades and how we look at things, I think that's what people like to hear, you know, like they want to hear both sides of it. And when you both come to the same conclusion, that's when you know it's a smash except that's the guy that you're trying to go there for. So the first thing I want to talk about, I want to go quickly around the room and just talk to me briefly about your Superflex philosophy. I mean, myself personally, I'm that guy that likes to move back into that tier three, four range and load up on, you know, the Jalen Hurts types, the the Justin Fields, the the Stafford, the, those kind of guys, maybe even Tua and, and move back and try to accumulate value in the startup. I, a lot of guys in the Smash Patreon mock me quite a bit because I have five different quarterbacks that I roll with pretty much. You know, it's, it's Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Matthew Stafford, Tom Brady, Lamar Jackson. Those are the core of the guys that I have on my team based off the values that I got them for, how much I paid, you know, and, and just finding things in that area. I like to invest in the position in the rookie draft rather than really paying up, you know, that we, we're going to talk about that a lot, how much guys right now are trying to buy Josh Allen and buy Justin Herbert. And it's just, you, you've kind of passed that window of making your team a complete contender to do that. Uh, Mung, talk to me a little bit about your Superflex philosophy, some things that, you know, rules that you go by, and then we're going to kind of go around to Zoltan, Jacob, and then close it out with Adam. Yeah, I think the most important thing to remember with any type of different scoring setting is it's very much league dependent, right? I've, I've played in some Superflex startups where a lot of the league had not played in a Superflex format. And in those in those types of leagues, you can get away with drafting quarterbacks later because a lot of times they tend to fall. And then also when you're trading for quarterbacks, you, you might not be paying quite uh, as big a premium as you might be in a more experienced super flex league where quarterback values are always very high. So I think that's the biggest thing to keep in mind. Um, but when you are playing in a super flex format with more experienced players, I do think it's important to come away from that startup draft with uh, at least one strong quarterback who's who has a good hold on a starting job, and if not two or three more, then at least you know future round picks where you can where you have the capital to draft some quarterbacks early on. Love it, and I know we, we talk about that a lot. League size matters. The you know the settings matter. That's great great points there, um, Mike. We're gonna pass it over to you. Yeah, I would say I really like to focus in on having basically as many good quarterbacks as possible. I found that they're the most valuable form of currency in most super flex leagues. 
basically, if you don't have two starting quarterbacks, you're not going to win a Superflex league unless you have, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown week 16 going off in the Superflex. So I like having one absolute stud and usually two to three uh, players, maybe in their first two to three years in the NFL with some upside who I can kind of plug and play. But I always like having either four or five quarterbacks. So when one contender loses their starting quarterback, they know they have to come to me and I can really squeeze them for a premium. I like that as well. Uh, Jacob, aside from just getting as much Tua action as possible, how, how do you attack the uh, Superflex position? Yeah, so uh, I guess Tua is a good segue into um, the most important thing for me when I'm looking at quarterbacks in a Superflex is solidifying my quarterback two position. Um, I know a lot of people like to focus in on your top tier elite quarterbacks, and it's always great if you can land a Lamar, a Kyler, a Herbert, or, or a Mahomes, but one of the most undervalued things in Superflex, in my opinion, is when you can have a consistent high-end quarterback, too, where you don't have to worry about adjusting your roster for a long time. Because oftentimes, like, dynasty players will be bored of those guys, and they'll come at a cheaper price tag. So it gives you more liquidity to focus on the other aspects of your roster, and then you just don't have to worry about your quarterback, too. Um, later, if I end up accruing value, I'll hopefully trade up and have two elite quarterbacks. But if I can get a Derek Carr in the ninth round like we were able to last year, knowing he's going to be a starting quarterback for three, four, five years at least, I'm happy with that. Yeah, as soon as you started talking about that, Derek Carr was the first guy that popped to mind. And it's like that that value, there's a lot of guys that just we don't necessarily value the certain way, but they put up the points. You know what I mean? And they're that solid QB2 option. They're not that sexy Josh Allen, but it's a guy that's going to go out there and put up points for you week in and week out. Adam, I'm, I kind of saved you for last there. I know that's kind of a little bit trickier after everybody's kind of shared theirs, but talk to me a little bit about your super flex strategy. Yeah, so, um, you know, very similar to, to what was just spoken. So I'll just add a couple extra things is, is to that second QT, excuse me, second QB. Um, I'm also looking, you know, really for and both of the QBs trying to I, I generally don't have your top tier guys, your top three. Um, I'm generally trading down in insulated trades if I can to uh, try to get additional appreciation. So that's probably something I do for really all positions, but especially QBs back to Zoltan's uh, point of, you know, if, if you can try to, you know, cause if you're just holding Allen and Mahomes, it's great to have those two, but if you can insulate them, get similar types of points, especially, you know, EQ1, QB1 and QB2, you can talk, that's where you build a dynasty. So that's at the end of the day, what we're trying to do, right? It's certainly get the points, but you're trying to appreciate and value over time, especially on the hit. So I'll just uh, re kind of position that it's, I'm always trying to get your tier three, tier four guys that have that upside of QB one while trying to accumulate picks or other positional values of, 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 uh, of value. I love it. I mean, I know, Jacob, Mike, myself, and Adam, I know, and, and Mung, Mung somehow stays clear of, like, of, of startup season. He's like, ah, maybe one more. You know, the rest of us are kind of degenerates and just kind of roll in there. I swear, Jacob, you have a, a new draft going on every single week. You got another one coming up here. But talk to me a little bit about, we, we all know Tier 1 is, you know, it's Josh Allen, it's Mahomes, Herbert. Everybody loves those guys. The positional advantage you have of drafting them, although, as well as, like, Moving out of that spot, the amount of value that you can accumulate in a draft, are you guys, hey, I'm going to draft Josh Allen now, 
Or is this a move where it's like, hey, I'm going to move back? Because one thing I've seen in every single draft is if I get that 101, that 102, 103, I am moving back to 17, 18, even 112, even like mid-second to just accumulate a, a haul right off the bat because I've done that where I've moved back from Josh Allen in the one league. I was able to move back to get Kyler and then another pick to upgrade massively where I got a 23 first, a couple upgrades in there, and it's just I feel like there's such an advantage right now to be in those top three. Talk to me a little bit about how you guys attack that early part of the draft. Um, yeah, so I guess like – I'm never going to force a trade, so I'm, I'm totally happy taking Allen, Mahomes, and Herbert, but that's never been my issue. I'm not afraid to uh, – I guess the best way that I approach it is openly advertise that I'm willing to trade back pretty far. I can go down from an Allen to a Justin Fields to get a, a bigger plus on top um, because I, I realistically don't want that much value consolidation right at the start of a startup. So I think just being flexible with what you're willing to do and how you're willing to move – uh, really opens the door to many different pathways of gaining value. And uh, at the end of the day, it's just about getting the most value you possibly can. Yeah, and I mean, Zoltan, we we talked on when you came on last time. And sorry, I sometimes I call you Mike, sometimes I call you Zoltan, honestly. But the, when we had you on here to talk about the year one pun, and Adam just did one in Smash Except 6, when you have those top three, the amount of capital, because everybody wants to get up there, right? It's hard to, to force people to want to get up to four, five, six, you know, in that area. But if you have one, two, and three in a super flex startup, these guys are clearly a, a head above everybody in the tier. They're above Taylor. They're above Chase. They're above all the other quarterbacks here. I feel like there's such a positional advantage here. You at least have to kick the tires and try to make some moves there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think nine times out of 10, I would move back um, either into the Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray range, try to get an extra first or, you know, six round startup pick um, or even move further back. Uh, I'm always trying to move back in a startup. I think it gives you a lot of flexibility in terms of how you want to build your team. The farther you kick the can down the road, you don't have to commit to a certain build. But the one thing I will say about those top three quarterbacks is because their longevity is the next, you know, 15 years. Everyone wants them. So whether it's a rebuilder or a contender, it's okay if you just take one of those players and end up trading them later in the draft or even closer to the season because they will still have value and appeal to basically all 11 other teams in your league. So it's not the end of the world doing that. It's not like drafting Jonathan Taylor where only the win-now teams will actually want to trade for them. So definitely try to move back. But those three guys are top three in the tier of their own for a reason. So don't be afraid to take them because they will hold value. Yeah. Adam, we were talking about these three guys here. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, where you're comfortable moving back. I mean, I think Jacob made a great point. If you move back to fields in that, you know, mid-secondary, you're adding some serious capital. If you move back into the later first, you know, getting Kyle Lamar Burrow, you get to the end of the first where you get, you know, Jalen, you, you know, you get Jalen Hurts or you get um, Trey Lance in that area. How comfortable are you moving back from, say, Josh Allen? And what are some, some moves that you're looking to make? Yeah, so, um, you know, I'm with these gentlemen is that, you know, trying to find uh, the read the room right, is the first thing, right? Because so when I just in Smash 6, just for context, I uh, had the fourth pick, ended up getting Kyler. And um, but before then, I, I opened up the door and said, hey, if anybody wants it, I'm, I'm looking to trade down. Didn't have any interest initially. So I ended up just taking the best available. Uh, so I would say that's the first thing is don't force it. So just to reconfirm that. And then number two is certainly looking for 
those positional values where to your point, I think, you know, I don't like to go late second because if you go from that top tier, top two tiers to the late second, like your tier five, we'll get into the tiers in a bit, everybody. But if you're getting going down to like your max, uh, right. Or, you know, even further, I've seen trades like that and you're not getting compensated generally with multiple firsts in that situation. Um, so I would just say that, that I'm generally shooting for you're going from a tier one, tier two down to like a tier you know, tier three, tier four. So what I ended up ha- doing this going from Kyler to Lance, uh, Mung's boy. So that's, you know, those guys with that upside, the QB one upside, as I mentioned earlier, but with, you know, they ha- they're generally going to have either age considerations or they're going to have, uh, or, you know, uh, you know, like Russ, for example, right. Or Jalen situation. So uh, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm always looking for those values, but if it's not there, you know, as mentioned, you know, fire away with the best player available, and then working in the draft. So I ended up trading him later. Uh, but, uh, but uh, you know, that's kind of my strategy as well, just to make sure you're working the room, but you're also trying to max out your value with the insulation. Mung, anything to add to that, you know, that top tier? I mean, we had our super flex show. We really went over each tier, but I mean, that tier is clearly a cut above. Anything else to add to that as far as trade values, as far as moving around here a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of good stuff's already been covered by these guys. So I'll just say, you know, an analogy that's used very often in Dynasty is, you know, comparing Dynasty leagues to the stock market, right? When you're talking about a Josh Allen, Mahomes, that tier, you're, you're looking at a quote-unquote blue chip tech stock that you expect to maintain value pretty much forever um, versus, you know, it, it really comes down to how much do you know your stuff, Right. And I guess shameless plug, if you guys are listening to the podcast and you're trying to get good information on which stocks could rise, like a Tesla, like a Trey Lance type, who you're not paying that premium blue chip price, but who have a chance to get up into that sort of valuation, right? Jalen Hurts, too, somewhat risky because of that, uh, the lack of job security, depending on how he does in 2022. But if he shows well, then all of a sudden he is in that Lamar Jackson tier, right? He is in that close to Josh Allen tier. So a lot of it is managing that risk. And I think you can play around with these QB values if you go after the guys you believe in, whether it's Tua or Carr or some of these slightly cheaper guys. Or even if, you know, if you believe Aaron Rodgers is going to play at a high level for another five, six years, which I personally do not. But, you know, then that's your guy who you can get way cheaper and still find that same level of top tier production. So really it comes down to being flexible too. You know, just depending on what your league mates are willing to pay uh, if you are looking to trade down, because sometimes you're just not getting good deals. So just take Josh Allen. All right. So we, we talked about how it would look in a draft. Now, let's talk about a trade here. I mean, we're going to start with you guys from from trading tables. You guys just jump in there, which which one you're looking for. And we got a trade sent in from Trevor Reed. That's at Sask Trevor. 12 team super flex, four point passing touchdowns. Two of the pieces, I mean, is Damian Pierce and Al Jair. I'm going to throw those out. He was able to deal Justin Herbert for Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields. Twitter has this at almost dead even, 51-49, 51% in the Herbert. Jacob, if you're given that opportunity of Justin Herbert or Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields, what what are you? which side are you taking here? I'm taking the two quarterbacks by, by a wide margin because I think – Jalen Hurts, in particular, with A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith this year, Dallas Goddard as well, 
he could finish above Justin Herbert. That's a realistic okay. outcome. Um, and so you're talking about another quarterback, Justin Fields, who's an incredible prospect. I mean, he was a little disappointing as a rookie, but he had no weapons. And he had Matt Nagy call him plays. So, you know, sky's the limit for Justin Fields. So you're, you're already getting back a high floor player in Jalen Hurts who has upside. And then you're adding a good prospect with a ton of upside on top of that. I think that's a no-brainer. And in terms of value, uh, what's the difference between Jalen Hurts and Justin Herbert? Maybe a first. So is Justin Fields worth less than a first? That's where I'm saying, no, Justin Fields is worth more than that. Clear win for the two quarterbacks, in my opinion. I had to double-check to see if it wasn't just a retweet that was like, three months old, four months old. It was two days ago, you know, and I think Jalen Hurts has just risen to a point where, to me, this was an absolute smash, except to Twitter on over 400 votes, we're looking at or at 51-49. Uh, Zoltan, we started talking about, I mean, I have Herbert in the one league, and you and I started talking Lance, at least kicking the tires a little bit here. In this particular situation, getting two upside quarterbacks with, heel, with both Fields and Hurts, which side are you taking? Yeah, I got to agree with Jacob. I'm, I'm taking the two quarterbacks. I mean, you look at even last season, Jalen Hurts only scored two fewer points a game, and that was in five points per passing touchdown leagues than Justin Herbert. I assume in four points per passing touchdown, they basically had the same amount of points. So you're getting a second quarterback. Justin Fields, we talked about his upside, you know, top five in big time throw rate last year, uh, obviously have a, in a tough situation right now, but I'm easily taking the two. I like to always think of things in startup value. And if you're getting basically two second round picks for one first round pick, it, it's really just a good explanation of why holding a guy like Justin Herbert can be almost detrimental to your team because there's nowhere to go but down for a guy like that. And if you can turn him into solving your uh, both of your quarterback spots, it feels like a no-brainer for me. Yeah, like I'm going to really hit on fields a little bit later. But, Mung, you and I both also answered another Twitter poll today that it was, and this is just, I'm putting this out there so you guys can know, if you have Mahomes or Herbert, and I think Allen's values higher than either of them. But if you have Mahomes and Herbert, I saw a trade today. You and I both commented on it. It was CeeDee Lamb, T. Higgins, and a 23 first for Justin Herbert. Now, I know you had you had mentioned in there that Justin Herbert is that centerpiece, right? He is that guy that you want to build your team around. But when you get trade offers like that, I mean, it, it's real hard to say no. Am I, am I wrong, Mung? Yeah, I mean, when you just look at it from a pure value standpoint, right? I mean, 2023 first round rookie picks are already in such high demand. Those valuations are already so high. And you're looking at two wide receivers who can still fetch a 2023 plus in many leagues. So when you look at it from that point, I mean, you're basically getting four to five firsts in terms of value for Herbert at that point and just very few players are really worth that and will maintain that value for years and years. So just looking at it from pure value, it's a smash accept. We talked about that, you know, in years past, they used to say that Mahomes and Herbert, or Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, this top tier would be worth four firsts because the 23 class is that special. Are we comfortable giving up three firsts? I am for Allen, but I'm, I'm not quite comfortable giving up three firsts for Mahomes or Herbert, you know, and it, that's that's a hard ask because that class is so good. Adam and, and the rest of you guys chime in afterwards. I mean, are there any players worth four firsts? I feel like Josh Allen's the only thing close, but I'm not giving more than a thir three firsts for anybody other than him at this stage of the game, Adam. 
Yeah, personally, going back to the philosophy that I have, uh, I'm never paying that regardless uh, because, you know, going back to this idea of insulation and upside, right? If you have four firsts, uh, you are getting guaranteed upside and guaranteed insulation, whereas I don't care what player you're talking about, you won't have that same up combination of insulation and upside. So I will never do that regardless of the player. And I know that's a, that's a, that's a wide berth of thing to say, but I just think that's too rich regardless of how amazing Allen is with points, upside, and insulation on himself. But it's not guaranteed. An injury can happen right uh coach changes anything could happen so there is a point of like think of it from a statistical analysis perspective it's very high probability he's going to stay in his top tier but i would say there is an outside chance whereas those picks there is a zero chance they are going down right Absolutely. so th that's the way i look at it is it's again looking at if i can trade him trade down get get more of those insulated trades that your coin coin phrase dad right that's the best way that you can protect yourself while also looking to appreciate your assets Exactly. Um, guys, am I wrong to say that? Is anybody willing to pay up four firsts? I mean, I feel like if you can, the highest I've seen, I've seen three for, for Allen, but I think Mahomes and Herbert are almost like, I would need to have one of them early, but I, I feel like three is probably a stretch at this stage in the game. Not, not for me. I, I think a lot of what Adam said is kind of the way that I think about it. Not only are the firsts not going to go down in value, but if you hit on, let's say one of those firsts turns into a player who's going to be a first round startup pick and, you know, two of the other ones turn into, you know, fifth and sixth round startup picks, you've already increased in value by a significant amount, right? Yeah. The fact that Josh Allen is the most expensive player in the game means that he can't go up anymore, right? There's never going to be a player averaging 35 fantasy points a game was worth six firsts. So yeah. really you're, you actually are protecting your floor as well because you have four of them. So I would not trade four for anyone. I probably wouldn't trade three for Josh Allen. Um, well, and now's not the time. I mean, ju just a cautionary tale. This is not the year to do it. We know how special 2023 is. Very comparable to 2022. In 2019 on a rebuilding team, I traded Mahomes for three firsts. One of them turned out to be the 101, Joe Burrow. One of them was the 106, DeAndre Swift. The other was the 111, if you remember, Mr. Justin Herbert was falling to that area now. So if you look at that trade, come up, like at this stage in the game, and we talk about how special 2023 could be. So the next thing I want to do is I want to drop down to, to Tier 2. This is an area with, I have it labeled as Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow. We're going to play a little, uh, you know, Wolf of Wall Street. Sell me sell me your pen. You know, who's the guy out of this group that you guys want to have out of it? Because it seems to be very split the whole way across the uh, across Twitter. I mean, there's guys that prefer one way or another. Let's we'll start with you, Mung. If you had to choose between Kyler, Lamar, and Burrow, who's that guy you're going here and why? Yeah, for me, it's Lamar Jackson. Uh, we've seen, you know, his floor and ceiling. We know that the rushing production is going to be there. And we know that even though, you know, the Ravens haven't yet signed him to a mega deal like Kyler Murray just got, um, you know, that's coming at some point, right? Whether it's the Ravens or someone else, he, he's going to get a mega contract and uh, hopefully without the clause of having to do his film study uh, like in Kyler's contract. Although I, I do think that story is getting a little bit overblown uh, for entertainment purposes. But, I mean, overall, you know, Kyler just worries me slightly more because of stature and potential injuries. Um, and for me, the, the top 10 floor is there for Lamar uh, with top three ceiling every single year as long as he's on the field. 
Yeah, I mean, and Kyler's got to do his homework now, right? New contract, he's got to study for four hours, uh, you know, try to get things in there. Jacob, who's your guy out of this group? I mean, this is a, a tough tough section because a lot of people really love Burrow, the way he's ascended there. We've got the rushing upside of Kyler and Lamar. If you got to pick one of these guys, who's it going to be? Uh, for me, it's Kyler. Um, it's close between Kyler and Lamar. Um, just for me, I think Kyler is one of the best pure runners in the game. He's an incredibly intelligent runner. Um, he knows how to get down really quickly and avoid contact, which is actually a big difference between him and Lamar, who has one of the highest hit rates of any player in the NFL. So I would like to push back a little bit on on Kyler being more injury prone than Lamar. Lamar hasn't been injured in his career really that much, but and Kyler has. But that might be uh, coincidental rather than like predictive. Um, Kyler has this cannon of an arm, and we know that they're going to air it out in Arizona. Uh, he's got Marquise Brown, who is his wide receiver one back in college. Uh, I'm excited for him this year. See how he develops as a decision maker in the past game. Uh, I'd like to see him be more decisive as a runner. Uh, take off more like Lamar does. Um, I think Lamar has a safer floor for that reason, but I, I think Kyler's upside is unmatched. And Mike and Adam, I, we're going we're gonna to move into Tier 3, but before we do that, I want you guys not just to give me your analysis on that. I'm going to let you guys analyze, analyze on, on Tier 3, but if you had to choose right now, who's your guy? Start with you, Mike. Uh, for me, it's Lamar pretty comfortably. And Adam? Yeah, Kyler for me. Uh, just more of the uh, the accuracy is what what uh, is the tiebreaker for me. But I get I get the argument. So out of this group, none of us picked Joe Burrow, and I do not either. I moving down into tier three, and I I go based off of value when I do my tiers. You know where the market is, where people are viewing things. That next tier of Dak, Jalen Hurts, Trey Lance, and Russ Wilson. I would much rather be in that area than Joe Burrow because I feel like you can add yourself a second-round pick easily on top of that. Um, is anyone seeing a lot of value going on with Joe Burrow? I mean, Joe Burrow typically goes 105, 106 in every single draft. I've seen him go all the way at three. Jacob, I mean, I love Joe Burrow. I love I love the Joe Burr. I love the, the, you know, the, the amount of swag the guy has. I love the weapons he has. The rushing upside isn't quite the same. Talk to me a little bit about what you've seen trending. Uh, so he's a he's a late first round pick right now, and you know I don't like being in that area. I rather trade way farther down to uh, maybe tier four of the quarterbacks rather than tier three, um, because the difference between Burrow and Dak, Jalen Hurts, Lance, and Russ for me is a combination of things. You have Burrow who has two superstar wide receivers in Jamar Chase and T. Higgins in an, a pretty heavy pass uh, volume offense. Mm -hmm. And you see Dak, who just lost Amari Cooper. Michael Gallup has injury questions. He's a little bit older. Jalen Hurts has to prove himself as a passer. Trey Lance hasn't played really yet, and Russ is older. So those are all pretty big differences for me that puts Burrow more than a second above the rest. Um, so if I'm moving off Burrow, I'm going farther down. And uh, I'm also not looking to hold on to Burrow because, as you said, I think his value is at a high point right now, and it's probably only going to go down. No, I love that. Let, we started going on that. I mean, let, let's chime in here a little bit. What kind of value are we having to pay to go from that Tier 2 to Tier 3? I mean, Mike, if someone comes to you and they have Kyler Murray, or we, I know you like to trade backwards, not the other way around. They have You have Kyler Murray. How much do you need to move back to Dak, to Jalen, to Lance, to Russ? 
Um, I actually have Dak Dak a tier above the rest, just in my own personal rankings. Or okay. Above above those other guys, but if I'm moving back to let's say Russell Wilson, um, I'm going to be expecting a first in that deal, um, or let's say uh, a wide receiver in the you know wide receiver twenty range. Let's say Sky Moore um, is going to be a guy that I would want added onto that because mm-hmm. you're losing a little bit of production year one, and you're you're losing a lot of longevity moving down from a guy like Kyler uh, or Lamar. Um, to, you know, any of those guys that you talked about. Mung, this is the beginning of fighting words. So if we're going from Kyler and Lamar to Trey Lance, how much of a difference are we talking here? Before we really just blow up on Trey Lance and really just kind of look in on his price check, what value difference is there, Annette, in your mind? Yeah, I mean, and this is where there's always differences in the market between buyers and sellers, right? Where I, I want... I obviously want that first if I can get it, but I don't know how many are willing to pay the first from Russell Wilson to Joe Burrow. Um, And and actually, I think they're pretty equal for me. So uh, I think these two tiers are pretty muddled depending on where Mm -hmm. people have these quarterbacks ranked. And honestly, that's where you want to try and gain value, right? Like, obviously, I'm a big Trey Lance proponent. We've been over this time and time again. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to pay some exorbitant price to get him, right? I have him in the leagues I have, and as the hype has grown, you know, I'm not trying to acquire more for just absolute crazy prices versus if I'm selling and I can get Lance Plus, then I would do that in a heartbeat for, you know, if I'm selling Burrow or Lamar and I'm getting Trey Lance Plus a first, you know, I'm very happy to do that. So it really comes down to, you know, even like Mike and Jacob were saying, it depends on your personal rankings and where you can extract value and the differences uh, from ADP to your rankings. I love it. You know, and a lot of guys were asking that, like, should I trade this quarterback for this quarterback even? And no matter what, you've got to gauge the room. You've got to see where the other person's at. If you're going, we were talking about, if you're going from Burrow to, to Dak, some people have them very similar. Others, it's a matter of like, hey, why don't I just offer that straight up? No, get a perception of get a wide receiver who you believe in more versus who they have you know and a lot of times you can win a deal where both sides think they're definitely winning that deal and you get a lot more value in there uh mike you had alluded to dak is that your guy here in tier three i mean i know you said you you would have him up there in tier two based off production that he's had in the past is that your guy out of this group for sure uh well my guy's actually the uh elephant in the room deshaun watson um i hey i I, like it i I, 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 four. All right, let's go there. Let's go there. I definitely want to do it because you put a post out. You put a post out that I loved. It was a tweet. said, week seven, let's say Deshaun Watson served his six-week suspension. No future legal issues. Where would you take him in a super flex startup? You know, and you said which one of the tiers, you know, and you said him, you had him right there. The, the Twitter poll has tier one, which is Allen Mahomes Herbert, 11%. Tier two have him at Kyler Lamar Burrow, which is tier, you know, in that spot, 56%. 23% into tier three with the Dak Lance. So let, let's talk about Watson here because that is definitely the elephant in the room. You, you had the tweet, so I'm going to let you take over. Mung's been, you know, pounding the drum. We were talking about buying low on this show for months for Deshaun Watson. Now he's back down there, right? He went all the way up into second round startup value, you know, even late first. Now we talk the suspension's actually going to potentially come. Talk to me a little bit about the tweet and let's talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I think the tweet was incredibly revealing for me because uh, that tier two that he's in, 
according to Twitter, uh, is between the 104 and the 110 in startups. And he's never going to go in the first round of a startup, at least not one that I've seen this offseason. No. So you're getting a lot of value there. And of course, the tweet said after the suspension is served. But for me, if I'm looking at a quarterback where so much of their value is tied to lo the longevity, I don't really care about half the season. If we know his legal issues will be behind him after mm -hmm. the suspension, then I don't really care. I'll just go get, you know, pay, pay up for Tom Brady to cover for him for half the season or something like that. Right. And then use that value advantage that I had to get a guy like Deshaun Watson. I mean, Deshaun Watson in his last healthy season averaged above 25 points a game. The only uh, quarterback who's averaged that much in the last three years is Lamar Jackson. So he belongs in really that tier one if it wasn't for his legal issues. So if you're getting him at tier two, it's already a discount. And right now you can probably get him at tier four. So I I'm all in on Watson at his cost. And, and that's the key, at the cost now, right? And I think it's fantastic. Adam, I'm going to have you chime in here. But he is the ultimate year one punt quarterback right now. You can get... Let's say you had Kyler Murray wherever you're at. You could get Kyler Murray and probably a 23 first for or Deshaun Watson and a 23 first for Kyler Murray. You know, and you're able to move into that because there's a lot of panicking owners out there right now that are just like, dude, I don't want him on my team. What if it's a full year suspension? Then that means he's out of football for two years. What if it's longer? You know, some people are thinking it's just money talks. He got paid. It's it's not going to be you know, a lifetime ban or anything like that. But Adam, I mean, you, you chose to build that way in your year one punt. And I think it's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say Watson's a perfect, uh, I, I mean, it's not just one year punt, but it's perfect for one year punt because you can buy him for your at cost. And I cannot think of a player, regardless of position that has the, not only the upside that Mike just talked about, but the path for the quickest way to get there. If you think about it, I, I really can't. As soon think as he steps else. on the field, right? It's yeah, not exactly. even a. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so you're talking about Andy has insulation. He's super young, right? And and the ability that Mike just covered nailed it on the head. So for me, like, so I ended up, so so ended up Kyler ended up getting Lance, and then I have uh, I have him as my QB two, in a one year punt. It's exactly what I want because I'm okay with not doing the points. And and one thing just more philosophically as well. Um, with this value and also with the time of year is that we're getting, you know, with, with now we're getting into the news, right? So more of your inexperienced players are thinking about points, right? And that is what is, is mm -hmm. depreciating his value um, because people are just worried about the variance of his suspension. But at the end of the day, you know, if we're, if we're truly just looking to get price appreciation, whether or not you're going to hold him or, you know, thereafter or not, you know, he's a great candidate for trying to get that quick upside if you want to flip him or, you know, in my position, I'm OK with keeping him because then I'm going to have him and, and Lance as my long, you know, QB one and two. So but at the either way, he's a perfect candidate for to get a quick flip, even if you're wanting to grab him. And then to Mike's point, I mean, you, you can easily get a goth. You can get, you know, these guys that have uh, really good floors, which is what you want from a QB two while you're waiting, waiting for him to come back from suspension. The other tweet I wanted to talk about that Zoltan put out there was he put it out Brees Hall or Deshaun Watson. You know, and fifty six percent of of the listeners said that they want Brees Hall over Deshaun Watson. Jacob, how risk adverse are you? Where are you at with Watson? And would you take Hall or Watson if you're in a startup right now? Uh in a start, it's hmm, it's so lead dependent because a lot of people just won't touch Watson. Period. Um, but I'd, I'd go Watson because there's the other side of the coin where people view him among top quarterbacks. So 
Mike actually transitioned Brees Hall into uh, Deshaun Watson share and then added a 23 second on top of Deshaun Watson and got Kyler Murray. Um, so I think for that reason, making it, it makes Deshaun Watson like this kind of asset where you can really take him whatever direction you want to go with him, whether mm-hmm. it's break him down, hold on to him for for a flip later down the road for more value or even trade up into the top notch quarterbacks that don't have the risk that Watson does. Um, so I think for those reasons, I would take Watson overhaul and then I would probably do the rare QB move up here uh, because you will be able to find someone who has one of those top quarterbacks and you won't have to add a ton to Watson to get them. I absolutely love what you just said. I love that trade you made Mike, because everybody that, that DMS me and I get, crazy amounts of DMs about trades. But when it comes to Deshaun Watson, what I've said is, dude, get Lamar, get Kyler, get one of these guys, give up a second round pick for the peace of mind that you don't have to sit there and worry about it the entire time. You know, and I love Watson, but it, let's be honest, if it's it's already been a full year, it could be a year and a half, there's definitely going to be some rust involved. And if you can give up a second round pick and get a Kyler Murray, a Lamar Jackson in that area, then then I'm fine with that. You know, and that kind of makes it a situation where you're still going to get the production. You're using him as an asset. That's what we talk about all the time on this show. Not necessarily the player, but the asset himself and moving that and, and transitioning from from one to the other. Uh, Mung, anything to add to Deshaun Watson? Because I know we talk about it a lot in the Smash Patreon. Jacob, you just joined in there too. And guys, it's just an awesome area for you guys to come in, talk fantasy football. I know when you first joined Jacob, you were like, okay, let's check it out. Dude, it's, it's crazy in there how much dialogue goes on and how awesome it is just for $12 a year, a dollar a month. I mean, you know, this is a, a quick plug. H- how much fun have you had in there so far? It's a, it's a ton of fun, and it's like the best way to get instant responses on any trades or any ideas you're thinking of. Uh, like wild opinions all over the place, people with different perspectives, a lot of insight. Um, you think about things in a different way when you're just getting different takes. Uh, so it's a super active group. I'm having a ton of fun. So, yeah, I highly Good. recommend Just Just had to get that out there real quick. But, Mung, anything else to tie in there with Watson? I mean, I, you know, it, usually in the Patreon, you and I are on slightly different spectrums right now where I'm, I'm, I'm off Watson. I'm trying to move there. You've been on the buy-in side. Anything else to add to that? Uh, not really. I mean, if you look at my Superflex Dynasty rankings on Fantrax, uh, he's been a first-round startup pick forever uh, because we know that the suspension is coming at some point. Um, but, you know, long-term, that value is still a top-12 Dynasty quarterback. And in Superflex, that's just such an easy value rise to project mm-hmm. as soon as he steps on the field, right? I, I mean, it just is because if he plays even, let's say, four games and he has – decent games uh the hype next offseason is going to build until he is at the very least an early second round startup pick and i've had questions the last few months asking if he's worth taking because he's still there in the fifth round of a super flex startup so yeah i mean that, that i think we've covered enough on watson go ahead mike yeah, and what, one one quick thing I want to say about Hall and this talks uh, kind of super flex strategy in general is there is one running back who's going in the first round of startup drafts, and usually somewhere between eight to eleven quarterbacks will go before the second running back. That tells yeah. you all you need to know about whether you should value Watson or Hall because 
Watson has that ability to get to the top five, top six overall. Hall does not likely have that ability. So at the very least, you have to take him for that purpose. Especially in 12 and 14 team. The only time I start getting closer is when we get to 10. Because to me, in 10, the Superflex isn't quite as, as potent. You know, in 12 is that optimal area. 14 is not even debatable. Like, your quarterbacks are so important. Like, literally, I think you get at least 10 in the first round. Like, guys just start pushing into that area. Let's transition a little bit over to Trey Lance here. Uh, Dave Hellman at Dynasty Dorks. You know, he put a bunch of polls out there. Trey Lance versus Dak Prescott. 64% are on the Dak Prescott side right now. Trey Lance versus Russell Wilson. 57-43 for Lance. Jalen Hurts, 56-44. And, I mean, where do you guys have Trey Lance in your rankings? You know, now we obviously know he's going to be the starter. We knew that kind of going out there. But he's 22 years old, you know. He's in that spot where he is the youngest of those elite assets. You know, Jalen Hurts is 23. Fields is, is 23. Trevor Lawrence is 23. Jacob, I mean, how how many, first off, how many, you're in a lot of leagues. How many shares do you believe you have of Lance and if you don't have Lance, what are some guys that you're working into that area and some trades maybe you guys have made? Yeah, so um, I keep finding myself trading for Lance and then flipping him because I get uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, well, yeah, and I, there's a tweet you put out that you just made a trade, right, with with Dirty1187, yeah. you know, and I think you, you had – you'd flip Trey Lance. So I actually had two Trey Lance trades. There's that one, and then I also traded Trey Lance for DeAndre Swift in 23 seconds. Um, Trey Lance, I have as my quarterback nine in, in my 33 leagues. I have him probably in about four of them. Uh, and with him, you just see a guy that oozes upside. He's got one of the biggest arms. He's obviously on a team with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayu, George Kittle, and he can run for days. He's a big guy that's going to pound over people like Josh Allen does. The problem I have with Trey Lance is that he had one season at a like sub D1 school. So how is he going to read defenses? I, I haven't seen him play against NFL defenses. It makes me super uncomfortable. I know how much the 49ers have invested in him. I, I understand that mitigates the risk. Um, I believe in him. I, I, I think he has too much talent to, to fail, but it's not an asset I feel comfortable with. So if I can transition him into a Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, I'm going to do that all day. If not, I'm, I'm probably trying to make an insulated trade down to somebody I do feel comfortable with, like a, a Tua. I probably can get more than a 23 first on top of Tua for Trey Lance. And I'm going to do that every time. I like it. Adam, you know, you knew this was going to come up. You had, you're in that punt, and you're, you're offering me Trey Lance for two seconds. So talk to me about the value that you see in Trey Lance and the upside in, that, in, in those 23 firsts versus Trey Lance and, and – just a little bit about your thought process there. Yeah, I was going to say 23 first. So, you know, at the end of the day, I, I uh, you know, I'm hesitant. Um, but, you know, the other thing is going back to the values and we've covered on the show. So I won't spend too much time of it. But uh, with my Watson, um, I don't mind uh, trying to kind of cash in on the Lance and get the guaranteed upside. Even though I love Lance, I'd say I'm, a, I'm above market on him. Not quite uh, to Mung's degree, but certainly uh, above market and that he's got that upside to, I mean, if he, if he crushes this year, he's right up there in that tier one, in my opinion. So he's got the upside. He's just, the variance with him is higher than within guys in that same tier. I would say similar to Hertz, at least from a variance standpoint. Um, but yeah, I think my, my thought process is if I can get the two first, 
uh, that insulates some of that risk. So it's all it's I mean, at the end of the day, you, you know, what we're talking about and again, strategy and philosophy is trying to get upside, but also it's managing risk. So it's risk adjusted returns at the end of the day. So if I can get two first, it guarantees that it guarantees the upside in the floor again. So that's where I think it's worth it. Um, but certainly I'm not uh, going out of my way to sell him. So it's always trying to feel the room like we've been talking about as well. I like it. it's a proud dad moment hearing about insulated trades. I had I had one Lance share and surprisingly enough, I traded Lance and a late second for Jalen Hurts in a mid 23 first. And I'm perfectly fine with it because that's that's my guy. And that's that's how I play the position. Um, now, Mike, I know you have quite a bit more shares when it comes to to Trey Lance, you know, in multiple leagues that I'm in with you, you, you own him in both of those. Talk to me a little bit about some of the heat, some of the guys, you know, some of the interest that you're getting from other owners, some of the trades that you've made, and some of those trade ideas that I know you definitely got brewing in your head. Yeah, I've got a ton of uh, Trey Lance. I have uh, 14 shares in my 85 or so leagues, so I'm about double overweight on him. And that just comes from the fact that I have so many rookie picks all the time. Um, I haven't traded for Trey Lance at all, but I have traded him away quite a bit because I'm getting offers of guys like Dak straight up guys like Kyler and Lamar adding in an asset that I don't feel is important, you know, like mm-hmm. a, a late second Nico Collins type guy. Um, and to me, you eliminate all of the downside and have just as much upside with a guy like Lamar and Kyler, because I think, I think Trey Lance is talented and I love his ceiling, but it's also possible he's not starting in 2025. So you really do have to mitigate some of that downside if you can. The other thing I found with Trey Lance is you can often switch him for one of the tier five quarterbacks, whether it's a Hertz or Fields or even like a Derek Carr and get an elite uh, player at a different position. So one trade I recently made was I traded Trey Lance for Derek Carr and T Higgins. Uh, For me, I feel like I'm getting arguably just as much Uh, just as many points out of the position with Carr, obviously less upside, but I really solidify my floor there and I'm getting a stud at another position. So those are the types of trades you can really make. To me, I have Trey Lance at the top of a tier with Russell Wilson, Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, et cetera, but I would typically be looking to either move up or down off of them. Can you elaborate on something you said? You said you're double weight on Trey Lance. So do you yeah. keep a certain – I know you keep spreadsheets. And I, what Jacob, you said he's a, a freak in the spreadsheets. I love that. <laughs> you know, but talk to me about what you, what you meant by that. Yeah, so basically if you are in uh, – let's keep it simple. If you're in 24 leagues and each of them are 12 teams, the expected ownership of a given player would be two shares of a player, right, if you had one in every 12 leagues you're in. So with Trey Lance, I have 14 and 85 leagues. That means essentially I have, you know, 18% while average would be about eight and a half percent. So I have double as much Trey Lance as if I was like average on the market for him. And that's just something I like to keep track of. A guy like Trey Lance, who I am not higher on than market, I'm going to look at that and say, if I'm not higher on him, why do I have more of him? Maybe it's time to shop him around a little bit. Mung, I'm going to let you close it out here because it, I got that offer there from Adam. Two twenty-three. Looks like maybe one is mid, one is late. Is that a smash accept? Should we be good in that situation? The only reason I haven't done it is because I have, you know, I have Jalen Hurts, Tom Brady, Baker, and, and Winston. So I got four quarterbacks in there. But I think Lance is just a hot commodity, kind of like Watson, where once he gets on the field, I mean, he's going to put up points. Yeah, and I mean, I've used this analogy a lot of times as we talk about Lance over the offseason, and 
however you value Jalen Hurts is how you should value Lance plus because he's Hurts with job security, right? Because mm-hmm. even if you think that Lance is absolutely going to suck as a passer, and I think we've seen uh, we've seen good things from his college tape, albeit a very limited sample size, to think that he can be a good passer. But for argument's sake, let's say he's awful and he becomes a game manager like Jimmy Garoppolo in a good offense run by Kyle Shanahan with a good Niners defense. They're going to win games. Uh, They're not going to be drafting another quarterback. He has job security for the next two to three seasons at the very least, in my opinion. Um, And then, again, even if he's not the greatest passer, we saw with Jalen Hurts last year that as long as he's rushing uh, for touchdowns and for that yardage, He's going to be a top 10 fantasy quarterback at the very least. I think that's his floor. And his ceiling is jumping into that top tier uh, with the Allens and Lamars and Mahomes. So to me, he's, he's not only a high ceiling prospect, he's also a high floor asset. And, and that's why I'm so high on him. So I, I think if you're trading him for 2023 draft capital, I need at least one of those first to be a top two, three pick. Uh, based on how people are going to value Stroud or Young. So I want at least one of those guys plus in return for Lance. I like it. So in this same, let's talk about that last year's class because right now Lance has that value. We've kind of moved Lawrence back. You know, he's in that mid-second area. Fields I've seen been slipping into the late second. Um, and even even Zach Wilson's on the rise here and, and, and Mac Jones. I mean, let's talk about this class a little bit and where can the value be had? I mean, let's talk about these guys in your in your trades. What are some trades that you guys have seen? I mean, I have seen Trey Lance for Fields and a first, which I think blows my mind because I think Fields in that same process. If you put Fields in San Francisco, it's it's a smash. Except you know, and that's the biggest thing. Justin Fields is now out of that purgatory of Matt Nagy, where they ran very very minimal play action. Now we go to a system where you know they were. Last time he was calling plays, the coach was, you know, 23% a lot more involved when it comes to the RPOs and trying to get things where it's going to be a lot of systems where he can get some pre-snap reads and some things like that. Is Fields have similar type upside or what kind of trades have you guys seen for Justin Fields and as well as Trey Lance or Ed Trevor Lawrence at this point? Uh, I I can jump in here. I think the problem with Fields is that I don't see his value increasing very much over the next year. He's already being drafted in this tier. He's on a terrible team. I know that Nagy's gone, but they just don't have the weapons for him. And Fields has always been a little bit overrated as a runner. He is a very good runner, but I don't expect to see him putting up 800-plus rushing yards. I believe last year he only had one game above 60 rushing yards. Uh, In college, he was not nearly as prolific as a rusher as a guy like Trey Lance. So uh, to me, I think he has a lot of downside in his value. If he doesn't have a good season, all of a sudden he's Daniel Jones and he's being drafted in the ninth or tenth round of startups. Mm -hmm. So I would always transition off of Justin Fields into a guy like Russell Wilson or a guy like Jalen Hurts. Players who I think have, you know, way higher floors uh, and probably higher ceilings as well. Uh, Adam, talk to me a little bit about that, too, because I know you were debating in, in, in the startup some of those guys as well. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm just uh, I just don't see the upside. So I, I completely agree with uh, the field's take. I, I definitely would more prefer like Lawrence within that tier because we've already seen 
the floor, uh, right? And and certainly his value could go down, but I just think if you're talking about downside risk versus upside, I definitely like the risk-adjusted return upside with uh, with Lawrence. Um, and I traded for him uh, from I traded down from Burrow in uh, Smash Four uh, last month. I traded Burrow and Pollard for Lawrence, Acres, and Winston is what I did. Uh, so you know trades like that where I can effectively similar to the overall philosophy right of trying to trade down and trying to trying to get better at other positions while also trying to get that upside. Winston's another guy that I think that has more insulation than it comes with. We can talk, maybe talk about that later, but overall, like I'd rather have Lawrence or those other guys in that tier versus fields, even though I love the talent, he's got a cannon of an arm. Um, but certainly when you're talking about uh, floor and upside, I definitely like other guys in that tier. And Jacob, you made some trades for fields. I saw John Helmkamp made a trade today and I saw he, he put that out there and he was stoked that he, he traded Justin Herbert for Justin Fields Devonta Smith in a 24 first, which you're putting a lot of, of faith in Justin Fields. Justin Fields has to hit for that to be a win. Um, Jacob, where, where do you feel, where do you look at Fields in this potential year versus, you know, a dynasty value? In- well, like I actually have a, a much different perspective on Justin Fields. I, I understand that he's in a terrible situation right now. There's no way around it. His wide receiver one's Darnell Mooney. Um, that being said, like, I trust that Justin Fields is going to be a successful quarterback in the NFL. Maybe it's just me, but I saw a lot of things to like as he developed throughout the season. I also think that he actually is a pretty mobile quarterback. Uh, it might not have been what they were doing last year when they were trying to teach him how to actually read defenses in the NFL. Um, but he's got legs. He makes moves. I think he has just as much rushing, rushing upside as Trey Lance. And just because when – Trey Lance was at North Dakota State. They actually didn't pass the ball very much. Doesn't mean that he's somehow going to be a quarterback that is a run-first quarterback in the NFL. So I want to see Trey Lance play before I say that he has a higher floor, a higher ceiling than Justin Fields. Because for me, as a passer, Justin Fields probably has more upside. Uh, as a rusher, I need to see the usage of Trey Lance before I'm saying Trey Lance has more rushing upside than Justin Fields. So every single time... I can get a late first value on top of Justin Fields for Trey Lance. I'm going to do that. I probably would take less, to be honest. I So we had Jordan McNamara on the show, and he was downplaying Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and, and saying you know how much risk there is and saying that basically any, any dynasty owner that takes them over Matthew Stafford is just foolish. Now, they're all in that second round. If you're giving those three guys on the board – who are you taking here, Mung, if you still, given given the risk analysis here on Lawrence, on Fields, and the upside of Stafford at his, you know, at his age increased, where would you go in that direction? Because that's, that's, I feel like a lot of our, our dynasty owners are getting there in that end of the second round. I mean, Lawrence, sometimes in that 210 area, Stafford and, and Fields go in that early three. If you're in that area, how much risk is there and, and what kind of, what kind of play are you making? Yeah, I think it's fine to trade down to Stafford, particularly if you're contending, right? Because we know that he has good weapons in L.A. He might not quite have as many passing touchdowns because they were really heavy in, on passing versus, versus rushing with Akers out last year. But he's a safe, you know, top 12-ish quarterback. And I think going back to Fields real quick, I think he has a tier one ceiling, right? If everything comes together for him, he can be also in that top tier 
my issue with that is his floor is much lower because to me the floor with Lance isn't necessarily even talent wise it's the fact that the Niners are going to be a winning team and winning teams neither have the draft capital nor the desire to look for a new quarterback whereas the Bears could be a bottom three team this year and I don't think that they should or will draft another quarterback but we simply don't know what the management is going to think. I mean, look at Josh Rosen, right? He got replaced after one year. He never even got a shot. And again, I don't, I'm not saying that that will happen to Fields, but the possibility of that happening is there versus a Lance where, at worst, I think the Niners are going to be like an 8, 9, 10-win team, and they're simply not going to be drafting another quarterback anytime soon. So, I mean, when you look at guys like Lawrence and Fields, understand that the floor is there of them getting replaced and it's not that it's going to happen it's that you simply don't know crazy things happen in the nfl Um, we haven't heard the strongest commitment from bears or jacksonville's management and we've seen the jaguars churn through quarterbacks over the decades so you know say what you will even if you believe trevor lawrence is a generational talent uh, if they don't improve at a, a fairly good clip this season with Peterson uh, calling the shots, there is a non-zero chance that Lawrence will be on the bench come 2023, considering how highly valued some of these quarterbacks in that class are coming out. So, I mean, if you want to trade down to Stafford, you know, Stafford plus a second, um, if you can get that for Fields or Lawrence and you're a strong contender and let's say your QB ones like Lamar or something, I have no issue with that move. Great analysis there, Mung. I appreciate that. Uh, Mike, Trevor Lawrence, and I know you gotta gotta, gotta jump off soon, but Trevor Lawrence, how many, first off, how many shares do you have? Because he was that guy that was clearly going 101. We did label him a generational talent, you know, and he was phenomenal at Clemson. The upside is clearly there. I mean, he's oozing with it. They're trying to put some weapons in there. Not necessarily exciting, you know, with, with Kirk and, and things. But talk to me a little bit about what we just talked about. with In that area of Lawrence, Fields, Stafford, which guy you're going, what kind of direction you're looking at, and, and who ultimately has that upside that you're looking for? Yeah, this is a really tough one for me because I, I, I'm all about the, the upside of where someone's value could go. And just based on their age and their pedigree, Fields and Lawrence could be a first-round startup guy next year. They could be a top-six startup pick. And there is just no scenario in the world that Stafford increases his value uh, that significantly. You know, he's 35 years old this season. But the thing is, is that Stafford scored 10 more points a game than Lawrence and Fields did last year. Lawrence and Fields barely scored 10 points a game. So if you're relying on them as your QB2 and God forbid your QB1, that could literally just destroy your season. So Mm -hmm. I totally am starting to come around on the idea that Stafford is that QB2 who is locked in, you know, 20 plus fantasy points probably for the next four to five years. He can stand back there. He doesn't really need to move around. I don't see age being an issue. You are giving up some of the value upside, and that's that's why I would want something added on. I think the uh, one strategy that uh, you made earlier was trading um, a guy like Lawrence plus a second for Stafford plus a first or something like that, where I'm getting upside in another realm or another player mm-hmm. I really like because I don't want to just sacrifice upside. But I am coming around to the idea of a guy like Matthew Stafford. <laughs> Basically, think about if you had bought Aaron Rodgers five years ago or Tom Brady five years ago. Despite the fact that their values never increased, 
you've gotten way more than your money's worth just in the amount of 20 plus point seasons that they've put up. Well, and I did, I bought Tom Brady five years ago for a late first in Superflex. Yep. We talked about it on last week's pod. I saw a tweet that was four years old, said, what would you pay for Derrick Henry? It was 107. Guess what? That's almost what he's at now. You know, we got to that. Tom Brady was that five years ago. People were like, oh man, he's towards the twilight here. Let's give a late first. You know, and I think Tom Brady is that ultimate stopgap where if you are going to take one of these guys, like you said, like a Lawrence, like a Fields, and you could throw a guy like that in Tom Brady, people still get upset when you show that you, you have Tom Brady on your team, you know, and it's like, you don't have to pay a first anymore. You could pay two seconds. You could pay a second and, you know, a, a wide receiver piece like like a Nico Collins, like a, you know, someone that's in that second round range where you can definitely add in there. Um, great analysis on that. I want to move a little bit into the discussion on 23 firsts, you know, and we talk about this next group, this tier five, I'm going to throw Rogers out because Rogers is a different kind of anomaly, but we got Tua, Carr, Mac Jones, and Zach Wilson, and even Kirk Cousins, a 23 first. Who are you taking out of that group over a 23 first? You know, we saw a lot of Twitter polls out there for the most part. It's coming up that, that people are preferring the 23 first and, to me, there is a little bit of craziness in that, where if I can get a guy like Mac Jones who showed some serious upside, I'm the Twitter polls that I'm seeing, people are preferring a late first over Mac Jones, a late first over Zach Wilson, you know, a, a mid first over a guy like Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, Jacob, you're huge on, on Tua right now. If someone comes to you and they offer you a late 23 first for Tua in Superflex, what are you saying to them? Uh, I'm going to be quite honest with you. Um, I would need a top two pick in 2023 to move off Tua, at Ooh. least. Uh, there's B. John Robinson I take over to, and that's it. Um, you're talking about a quarterback who has the best weapon group in the NFL. He's now got uh, Armstead at tackle. He got Connor Williams coming in there. And this was an offensive line that was the worst passing offensive line in the NFL last year. Now it's going to be one of the top groups. They just added pass cashing running backs to Chase Edmonds, and they have a running game now with Raheem Mostert and Sonny Michelle there when they were using Salvin Ahmed and Miles Gaskin last year. It's a vastly improved offense. And Tua Tungavailoa has been really good with a bad situation. As a rookie, he was coming off a hip injury and had Isaiah Ford catching passes from as his wide receiver two and Jakeem Grant as his wide receiver one. That's terrible. <laughs> And then yeah. in his second year, we had no offensive line, and he was still top three in release rate and uh, ball placement. So you're talking about one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL already, even when he's under pressure. And now he's got a hell of an arsenal. So Tua's <laughs> – you dream for your quarterbacks that you draft to have a situation like Tua does. And we're, we can't forget that Tua was going to be a Heisman winner if Alabama didn't bench him every fourth quarter. This is a phenomenal prospect in a great situation now. I'm all in on Tua. I love it. You knew I was going to set you up and give you a little shot to plug in there. Uh, Mike, before you leave, I'm going to give you a shot to plug Mac here because if I come to you right now and I offer you, say, like the 108 next year for Mac Jones, what are you going to say? Yeah, I'm, I'm declining that offer. Uh, people say Mac Jones has no upside uh, because he doesn't run the ball. Um which is fair. He's not going to be a top five uh, uh, quarterback in anyone's dynasty rankings probably ever, which is fine. But I really am confident that he can be a low-end QB1. Um, 
Look at how bad the rookie quarterbacks were last year. Look at how bad they are most year. Mac Jones led the rookie quarterbacks in basically every statistic, and that was versus guys like Fields and Lawrence and people who were and other players who were very highly touted. Um, Mac Jones is incredibly accurate. I think he's improved a lot over this last offseason. Um, and I think saying that he has no upside is just people obsessed with the Konami quarterbacks, which I am too. Don't don't get me wrong. But if it's going to be a late first next year, I'm taking a guy who I don't know if he's even going to make it in the NFL. It's probably not a quarterback at that for, at that point if it's the 108, 109 in a rookie draft. So I'm taking what, like the wide receiver four who's going to be a fifth round startup pick. I'm not gaining extra value and I'm losing on the fact that I think Mac Jones, you can lock him in as your QB two with some upside for the next, you know, 10 years. I think he's, he's established himself. I, he will be a starting quarterback in 2032. And I think that that matters a lot. And when we had Matt Waldman on, he said his comp was a poor man's Peyton Manning. You know, when you yeah. say anything, Peyton Manning, a guy that's going to be consistent. I took him in Scott Fishbowl. I was super excited. If you take away that Buffalo game where he threw the ball three times and we put that perception in people's head, if you take that out, I feel like the upside thing disappears a little bit more because if you look at some of the other stats you know they weren't gaudy but that game totally just like negated everybody's thoughts speaking of scott fishbowl adam you took Derek carr you know in the in the late second tons of upside with Derek carr this year someone comes to you with a what what pick does it have to be for you to take a 20 to give up Derek carr for a 23 first yeah, you know, obviously roster dependent always, but, uh, you know, certainly I, I think, you know, he has that upside, especially adding Devontae Adams. Uh, I think adding Josh uh, McDaniels as the head coach and the offensive mind onto that offense certainly it helps his ceiling. So, you know, I kind of picture him as a very similar as we're talking about with Mac just now of just a really locked in floor of a Q, you know, low end QB one with, I would probably say top seven upside um, because there, there's now you're talking about the potential of having much more passing rate and then touchdown uh, upside with the, the new makeup of that offense. So for me, uh, you know, a late 23 first I'm passing on now, if it's a mid and again, if I'm, I'm when you're punt or, you know, then I'd consider it. Um, so that's kind of my line in the sand there. When you're talking about when I'm taking a, a 23 first, it's probably more of a mid I'm passing on the late. I love it. Mung, close it out with you here. If we have Tua, Carr, Mac Jones, and Zach Wilson, who's that guy you got to have out of that group? Yeah, so not to be a Debbie Downer, kid, <laughs> uh, I think they're, they're all going to hate me for saying this. I think the ceiling cases are all there for these guys, right? Yeah. I mean, Tua's got Tyreek and, and Waddle, two, probably the two fastest wide receivers in the league right now. And, and not only fast, but they're good route runners as well, right? So they're truly like – Super weapons loaded up for him. Um, they made upgrades to the offensive line. I don't know that they're more than above average with the upgrades, but certainly a marked improvement upon 2021. Um, Derek Carr, obviously, they went out and got him. Devontae Adams, healthy Darren Waller, uh, Renfro. And then, you know, you look at um, who's the last one? Sorry, Mac Jones, right? Uh, Matt Waldman called him a Peyton Manning light or with that potential. And the only problem with Mac Jones is instead of, you know, Reggie Wayne, he's got Tyquan Thornton and Jacoby Myers. So, and he's also got a head coach who isn't afraid to give the ball to a nameless running back at the two yard line rather than pad back stats. Um, and then when you look at 
when you look at the upside cases for these, I think they can all be top 12, even top 10 fantasy quarterbacks. I think that the gap is just so large between quarterbacks who don't run anymore uh, in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is I don't, I never see a truly elite upside case for them, right? I mean, how many years did it take Tom Brady to become the focal point of his offense under Belichick? Uh, the Patriots can be successful for the next decade, and Mac Jones could never finish as more than a, a top six, top seven fantasy quarterback. I mean, even looking at uh, Matthew Stafford, right? A huge, huge boost going to the Rams last year. Threw for over 40 touchdowns for the first time in like a decade. And he still finished outside of the top five quarterbacks. And that was with some injuries to guys like Lamar. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just don't see a truly elite case for these quarterbacks. Um, or if there is, like, so many things have to go right versus, you know, pay for a guy like Stafford who can give you probably similar back-end QB1 production. And, or even guys like Rodgers or Brady, where you're paying for that one-year rental for similar production. And, and really, the guys between QB8 and QB16 are all only separated by a couple of points per game versus that extra five or six points per game two guys who can run the football and rush for those six-point touchdowns in four-point passing leagues like Lamar and Kyler and Lance and Hurts. I love it. This this podcast has been fun. Normally we shoot it like right at an hour, and that's about it. We've done an hour and 12 minutes of just awesome super flex you know content these are the guys that i ask for trade advice i talk to jacob and mung and adam and and mike all the time jacob i gotta say thank you for coming on you know it's the first we've ever had some some face-to-face interaction after several years thanks again for coming in uh tell everybody again where they can find you where they can find your work and uh you know maybe one thing you're excited for since we are almost into the nfl season yeah thanks for having me it's been a pleasure uh talking some ball with you guys um you can find me at Dynasty Jacobian on Twitter or also um, on the Trading Table podcast where Dynasty Zoltan and I uh, talk trades all the time. Um, one thing I'm looking forward to this offense, there's a lot of things. I want I, I really want to see how the, the Seattle running back room shakes out and see if the Rashad, uh, Rashad Penny truthers win or if my boy Kenneth Walker stakes his claim. Um, there's a lot, though. Uh, Josh Jacobs is finally going to prove everybody wrong. So, a lot. I love, <laughs> I love it. Hey, Mung, I saw you had a, another article over there at Fantrax about your boy. You know, the, I, we were talking uh, several weeks out, you know, about being a potential breakout, and the writing is on the, on the wall for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be coming up with updated redraft and dynasty rankings pretty soon uh, over the next few days with all the news updates over training camp. Uh, I'm going to try not to overreact too much, but uh, certainly excited already about some of the reports coming out of these training camps. But uh, yeah, I mean, always, always happy to talk all things fantasy, DFS, betting, whatever it is on Twitter. You guys know you can find me at FFA underscore Mung, that's M-E-N-G. And guys, I got to put a push out there. Adam does not have enough followers. Adam has literally been been grinding and doing some awesome stuff for Smash Accept. So, Adam, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and you know anything that you're working on right now? Yeah, thanks, Dad. Appreciate being on the conversation. And uh, on Twitter, it's r underscore Adam Armor. That's A R M O U R. And uh, just love talking dynasty. Love talking trades, boys. And uh, 
appreciate uh, you including me and uh, yeah, hit me a shout with some trade, uh, you know, requests, but also I threw out, especially if there's some, uh, some, some, tr- you know, new, new leagues or, or, uh, uh, you know, new opportunities to, to join a league with us. Uh, we'll, we'll be tweeting them out. So appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in guys and enjoy the process.